the old school vibes here on the Rome show and just, you know, kick them back to the almost the beginnings of where this show came from. Should we play it again? <laughs> it's it's it is okay because we got through yours and I I must say, Rocky, when you go listen to the podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, after this show is over, right? Just search Wide World of Rome or the Rome Show. You just follow us on social media at Wide World of Rome everywhere as well. When you go listen to the podcast, I got your full intro out, and may I say, I didn't mean to rhyme that, it was phenomenal. Uh, you're uh, just phenomenal. So you just go back and listen to that, and then we'll redo it next week, and we'll get it right. All right. Is that the, uh, is that the Tostitos Fiesta Bowl sounder? No. I, I actually, <laughs> see, this is where, I may I pat myself on the shoulder, okay, or on the back, as they say, I used the old school intro with a new school Rocky sounder. Rocky, that sounder actually, I'll give it to you right now and then we'll go into the show. It sounds like this. Versus, hey, who can get close enough to adjust the speed of the other person with their stick? And so that's where the skill improves. <laughs> Boom. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Unreal. <laughs> Electric, right? What do, you, what do you got for us today, Monday? What is it, March 28th? There it is. What do you got for us today? 328, big day in the world. So much happened this weekend. A lot. I mean, I mean, some people want to talk about Final Four. I mean, how about the U.S. men's national team absolutely routing Panama 5-1? to one. Christian Pulisic with a hat-trick uh, on the football pitch last night. Let's hear it for the U.S. men's national team on the brink of securing a World Cup spot. Yeah, and, and, and I think that's what most people don't notice about that win, Rocky, which I don't know how many people that listen to our show fully follow, follow excuse me, both the U.S. men or women's national team, but uh, the men's team didn't make the World Cup the last runaround. So them getting back to the World Cup this year is almost astronomical for this country's men's soccer program. Yeah, and they don't they don't clinch last night because Costa Rica won during the day, but they sit atop the CONCAF CACAF <laughs> Terrible. What are we doing? Wait, could you let me see if you can guess which country is leading the CONCACAF right now in World Cup qualifying. The the first issue I have here is I don't know every country, but I think I know Mexico. Uh, okay. So I'm gonna guess Mexico. Think about so Mexico is tied for second place at the U.S. at 25 points. Okay. Canada is wow. in first place really? at 28 points. Wow. Go Canada. So good for the Canadian soccer team. That's exciting. Yeah, I know. I mean, and, and, and think CONCACAF is really just North and South America. Yeah, the th really? Okay, so that just makes, that makes it easy. So, so essentially everything else is in Europe, and then you have CONCACAF. Correct. Okay. All right. Well, here we go. U.S. men's <laughs> soccer team. Let's get back to the World uh, Cup here. Yeah. Yeah. So big, big. So shout out to the U.S. team. You know, in the other, you also had, you also had the big, a big NASCAR race in Texas yesterday. Ross Chastain, big win, uh, and on the final lap of the race, has to bang into AJ Allmendinger. He knocks AJ Allmendinger into Alex Bowman to get rid of both cars so he could regain the lead and win and it was like a classic rub in his race and moment and everyone's cool with it because like AJ Allmendinger banged Ross Chastain to take the lead earlier in the lap um, and everyone's like no that's just racing that's rubbing and everyone's cool with it and it was very it was electric it was awesome 
Well, this is exciting because two things. It sounds like that was a great race, and it sounds like we just got the new intro sounder for Rocky because apparently some guy named Applegate banged somebody named Bombs or something like that, and they won the race. So that's exciting stuff. <laughs> it was awesome. The, it was on a it was on a, a street track, so it was like you know it was a circuit track. Oh, now um, was it like one of the street tracks where they actually took like the actual town and turned it into a race? Track, no, no, that's that only only like Formula One does that stuff. Oh, n- none of that in NASCAR because I know they do street like they do course races in NASCAR, right? Yeah, well, today that that was one of them. They were at oh. Circuit of the Americas at the Grand Prix of Texas, and you know there was a there's a they like go up a hill like 130 feet elevation change on the track. There are hairpin turns, so like you're literally like a 90 degree turn, which like they were like banging into each other. It was, it was, it, was, it, was, it was a pretty interesting race. It was great. Oh, I, have I was watching it during both. I love your love for NASCAR. I don't understand it, but I love it. <laughs> I think I understand it. I actually do. Being your brother and somebody that sat in the passenger seat of you in a car driving for the last <laughs> 15 years... Had we lived in different parts of the country, you may have become a NASCAR driver in a different life. No, I do believe I was a I was a driver in a past. Yeah, there's there's sure. there's been some execution, yeah. And it's I don't still, lose at the I don't lose at the go kart. And and in theory, right? And I'm not going to say all the time because you do get fined if you do bad illegal stuff, and or people now in NASCAR will like come and punch you in the face and your pit crew or whatever. But. You also, it's the sport where you're allowed to, just like hockey, which is funny because it's the other sport you play, where, like, you can fight or you can crash with somebody and, like, you don't get in trouble. <laughs> it's, like, perfect wow. for you. <laughs> yeah, so good. So good. Watch, though. Paid, paid attention to the uh, to the baseball yesterday with the Grom and Scherzer. Just yeah, 12 Ks, I think I saw. Yeah, I mean, it was like a sold-out game. I mean, you got to be, after yesterday, if you're not pumped about the Mets, then you don't have a pulse, I'm sorry. All right, so I wanted to talk to you about that. And I, and, and then, we'll, so let's get into the final four, okay? Then, because yep. I, I know we got to get some final four, we got to get some hockey with Rocky, no matter what, before you get off the airwaves today, okay? But to comment on what you just said, before we move on, I, I'm, I'm overly excited. I think... You just have to realize what you're going to be able to witness two, probably four days essentially out of a seven-day week. You, you could be witnessing the two best pitchers in Major League Baseball. My only concern, and I, and I hate to say this, but it just you have to be realistic at some point too, is I just I need to see DeGrom start 30 games this year. If DeGrom and Scherzer start 60 to 70 combined games this year, then everything's gone the way I believe the Mets had hoped it would go. Regardless of how good their offense is, their defense, it don't matter. Because if you have those two dudes on the hill, as proven the last five years with just Jacob DeGrom and some Syndergaard being good, some Matt's being good, some of Matt Harvey being good, dating back to 2013, like it's all kind of fluctuated like that. But now you have two of the best as long as they stay healthy. And I wish I want to see them work in. I don't think they have the arm for it, but I would love to see them work in a six-man rotation while they while they achieve the thirty and thirty. So, would you almost essentially so you, want to see them like skip each other, each a start or like I, a six-day no, schedule? I would, I, 
yeah, I, I don't know how they would how you would do it if you would have to go offsetting sixes, but if you just went full year six man rotation, you'd have twenty seven starts. So my thing is is like I like to mix in the six because early in the season I'd rather not see I'd rather them take an extra day of rest than see them on a pitch count. Because we're not maximizing their ability if we're taking them out in six innings because of a pitch count. That's fair. I agree with that um, to a degree. Because I do think in Major League Baseball, it's different than college baseball. They have spring training, whereas our guys don't. So after four innings and 60 pitches in their first start, we're going to start to look to get them out because it's almost essentially the first 10 to 15 games are in, a, in theory spring training, learning about your staff, learning about what guys you can use in different spots, how long, whatever. So you, So you're right. I just feel like there's no getting around well, that because well maybe well maybe it's like well maybe it's like pitch count to Memorial Day, six man rotation through you know June July and a little August and then you're now you've you've worried you've got your arm strong enough to go long distance you've got the long distance practice and then you settle into your five man and get ready to go on three days rest in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with you that there has to be a specific plan for both of them. I don't know which one's right or which one's wrong. I got to think about it a little bit longer. So let's break down the Peacocks run. Let's break down the final four of some big name programs. We'll get some hockey with Rocky. In, and then if we have a little bit of time before you leave, we'll get we'll, we'll finish up with, with the Metropolitans to Major League Baseball. I like it. I like it. What is, so what is it? Uh, 1963 or 1950, <laughs> 1970 with the uh, final four here? Yeah, there's actually no three-point line uh, in this final four because it's dating back. <laughs> no three-point, no, no shot clock. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's straight up just two-point basketball the way it was meant to be played. High shorts, high socks, man. It's going to be exciting stuff. Yeah. No, but it's pretty – it's crazy. And I was thinking, okay, g- give me your thought and then I'll give you mine. No, I think we're going to say the same thing because it's crazy how you end up here when you thought it was probably the Thank most parody written. Yes. Yeah. It seems yeah, that, I know. Uh, how, how, is, how is this the place we got to when all we've watched this whole tournament was random teams and random seeds win these games, and yet if you really broke it down and went back and looked at the bracket the way the bracket was meant to be you know, presented to you based on how certain teams should be able to have an easier route to the Final Four. It, UNC being the eight seed, okay, a little off, right? That's probably why you have this random all four programs that have existed for like 80 years and won national championships in the Final Four. But I think when you really do look at the bracket back, you're like, wait, hold on. Like, it's kind of obvious that this would have been the path for both of these teams. I mean, I took Kansas for at least one of them, and I was like, I were I'm proud of myself for that. Um, but it's crazy that it's all four of these. Well, yeah, it is. And, like, you, you look at, and then, you know, I, I keep thinking, I thought of two things yesterday. The first is football. And, like, hey, it all works itself out. You don't have to sit in a room and decide which teams are the best. When they play, they all figure out who the best is. Right. And and every and everyone likes it. So if you expanded your football playoff to eight teams, no one, everyone would be pumped because you get more excitement. You get a couple of parity games, but at the end of the day, the national championship, no one is going to argue. 
Like, no one's arguing this national championship. They're all like, I can't believe it. But, like, everyone's like, wow, these teams are good teams. I mean, think about it. North Carolina beat Duke in the, at the end of the season. Yeah. Like, and that, handedly. That, in Cameron Indoor. And it didn't even up their ranking in the tournament. And, and that's crazy to me also. Like, the fact that all this happens to, to, to get North Carolina, Duke, in the final four in the last season of Coach K. Listen, for all of his antics, he, he earns points back in my book if he wins. I agree. If he wins, I don't even care if he wins the national championship, but if he beats the UNC, it'll be, I mean, it'll think of, if he loses the UNC, I mean, I would, that, the decision, this whole thing, I would be questioning the whole thing for the rest of my life. <laughs> Did you know that according to sportsillustrated.com, UNC and Duke has met over 250 times, but never in the NCAA tournament. Really? They've they've been in the final four together in 1991. They were both in the final four, but they were on opposite sides of the bracket. Well, I tell you what, Saturday is going to be a blast. Then it'll it's, be a good. It's going to be. It's going to be an awesome. Game. If Sports Illustrated's article from yesterday is correct, which I believe it is. Then, I mean, I would hope it would is. Why would they produce it 12 hours ago? <laughs> but either way, taking the moral out of it, that sounds awesome. So I'm going off of it. And that's pretty, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. So that was, that was my first thought. My second thought is like, when you think about St. Peter's, all right, like I can, you know, I can beat Kentucky. I can get over the Kentucky hump. Like it was the first round. So you didn't really worry about Kentucky's like, history you're like it's the first round we got nothing to lose then you play Purdue and you're like well I've got so much confidence from Kentucky I can make it through and then you don't play anyone you don't play anyone good you play Murray State who hey they're on a 21 game win streak like listen we just beat Purdue and Kentucky why not then you get North Carolina and you're like damn this is this is Michael Jordan yeah I mean it's you know not, like, it's, yeah, like it's not Michael Jordan in North Carolina but I get what you're saying <laughs> They had shots in the first half, and you could tell that they, what they were the shots they were missing. It was like, all right, the game's a little too big for them. Yeah, I think th- that might have been it, and and I think what really came down to was they're a team that's founded on holding the opponent to as little points as possible, making them as uncomfortable as possible on the defensive fl- side of the floor, pressing the entire time, and a lot of that success comes from the first six to eight minutes of the game. It has to be nine to nine as at the first media timeout if you're St. Peter's. It's got to be five four. You know, it can't be you have to trend the game as they did in a lot of their games leading up to that, all of their wins, the last ten of them actually dating back to the Mac tournament, they dominated the first six to eight minutes of the game. So then they dictated the tempo of how the game was going to be played, which is more of a defensive brand of basketball. And that's how they beat these bigger programs with bigger players and better shooters. Because at the end of the day, when it's shot up to shot up, three ball to three ball as today's fast break seems to be in every level of basketball, St. Peter's isn't going to hit as many three-point shots as others will. And UNC, who also was a really great shooting team, especially down the stretch, you know, proved that. And unfortunately, 
But I mean, that was that was an awesome run, Rock. I mean, and I think I, I believe in the next two days you'll probably hear that that he is the head coach at Seton Hall, Shaheem Holloway. Yeah, I mean, how long is it going to take? And how, what, what's the take? What's your take on? I mean, it's literally going to be most likely within forty eight hours of yesterday. He's so I mean, if it's not today, it'll be tomorrow. I mean, they announced they announced Willard at Maryland twenty four hours after they Seton Hall lost. Yeah, no, it, it it happens quick, and and I've heard through some coaching circles, and like I know, I'm in the baseball world, but who knows that it's almost like already a done deal prior to them even playing in the Sweet Sixteen, which makes sense. What's the what's the difference? What's the difference in the recruiting calendar? Why we see football coaches leaving teams prior to bowl games? Whereas it seems like in basketball, the same moves are happening, but everyone's waiting till the tournament's over. Like, is it the recruiting calendar yeah. that decides that? Yeah, yes, correct. Because all of the things, at least that I've witnessed in, in basketball and football in my time in college athletics, is in football, January 1st, through like the end of the that school year is prime time recruiting. They're going to like high schools every single day, seeing because all of these high schools have spring practices now, which is essentially the f- finish up of recruiting. They have all these all American games, all that yada 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 stuff, and they have the second signing period, so the early signing periods in November, and then that second signing period is either in January, or the beginning of February. So then you're really you're crunching to get to there. Right. And that's also why I think it's February because it's like the national championship and then like three and a half weeks till that signing period happens. And so that's their heavy recruiting period. And then basketball, they do a lot in the wintertime, like during their season, because basketball kind of like hockey matches up with their recruiting schedule and their playing schedule where you're going to do a lot of heavy recruiting in those summer leagues and uh, and stuff like that. So it's 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 probably more so to do with that, but like in basketball, it's almost like the NCAA tournament. Their final four, they have their basketball coaches convention there. It almost like ends everything. You know what I'm saying? And then like it's a slow restart process to get back to where you start recruiting again. Generally, really hard in October, November. Now at the D three level you're still finishing up that recruiting class because all the D1s have pretty much finished and now it's trickle-down, and their recruiting process will usually extend to about June 1st. Um, but yeah, I think you are pretty on point with that. So the recruiting calendar, yeah, so I mean, so so I think, I mean, do you care as a player? Like, how, like what's St. Peter's program going to look like for the next year or two? No, I think you do care as a player because the bottom line is you're only going to small schools at any sport at the division one level because you're, you have the chance to be a division one athlete. Like, and it's a, and maybe, Hey, listen, not everyone's going to leave. Not everyone can leave, but with the transfer transfer portal now and the ability for players to up and leave programs like rock, this is crazy. And I don't even know if you know this, I don't know how many people out there know this, but like you can be in the transfer portal. Okay. So I can be playing at X school right now, starting in right field, starting at left tackle, whatever. And my name can also be in the transfer portal so then I can legally have the ability to let schools know that at the end of the year, I won't be here. And 
then I can go leave. So you can be putting yourself out there to go to other schools while also playing at the current institution you're at. Yeah, it's pretty crazy how, you know, when you watch the transfer of coaches and players and, and the, uh, the scenario you just described with the transfer portal standpoint, like everyone is pretty much on the same page now to be, you know, like, hey, it's not going to work out here. Like, we, we, we kind of both know it. Let's help you out, um, which is a good thing. But, like, you just, it just makes you, like, you know, it continues to put the college sport in perspective. Like, how many, like, how many of us watched the tournament this year? You know, how many people are, are betting on the tournament? How much money is it generating? And the more and more we keep paying coaches millions and millions of dollars, and the more and more we give players the ability to switch schools, like, at the drop of a hat, I mean, there's, I mean, think about how many draft picks are you're, you're either at the NFL draft, the NBA draft, and it's just like this, this person transferred. This person went from Oklahoma to whoever or went from here to here. Like, it's, it's just, dude, like, where is the school aspect? <laughs> yeah, well, you know what, though? Can I be honest with you? I think this is why people really like Villanova and Kansas so much. Like maybe not Kansas as much because they do have some guys that can be one and done, but both of those programs have been programs consistently over time that make these runs in the NCAA tournament with guys that are three, four-year guys. To your point about like where, where did all of that go, that's why I think people like those programs so much because they've stuck to that form of how this should be done, if that's the statement to use, right? Yeah, no, that, that's right. Every time you watch Villanova every year, it's like these guys have been, this guy, the point guard's always been a senior for like four years. Yeah. Like a four-year senior, every year, every and, year. And, and I, Rocky, I tweeted this out the other day, and, and I know that you might not be fully invested on on the twitter sphere so i'm gonna read it to you okay i'm a big twitter guy all right huge twitter guy wait 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 there it is okay so at coach romo 24 that's me tweeted march madness is the perfect example for why administrators at smaller schools need to support athletics think about how much positive press Peacock's men's basketball, for those of you counting at home, that's St. Peter's, has gotten for St. Peter's University press that would have never happened without success on a national stage. Sports matters. And, like, that's just the bottom line. So you asked the question earlier, does it matter? If Shaheem goes from St. Peter's to Seton Hall, what does St. Peter's men's basketball look like over the next two to three years? I bet it looks different. I bet it's not as competitive. And it's not the next guy's fault. And who knows? Maybe St. Peter's does another great job of hiring. And they keep it consistent. And now they make this a consistent thing. And they're, they run the MAC for the next six to eight years. And they are on the national. But think about what one run at a school on the national stage will do for that school. Like someone was telling me yesterday that enrollment since this run started from St. Peter's is up like 250 applications comparative to this time last year. Yeah. Cause like, think about anyone who was on the fence about applying to St. Peter's just was like, you know what? I'll hit apply now. Yeah. A. And also B like the fact of the matter is like, you're realizing, uh, Oh wow. That 
this this program, these people have Division One sports. Oh, oh, all their sports are Division One. Oh, I'm a swimmer, and I see in the stands St. Peter's men's and women's swimming shirt. Okay, maybe I want to go swim here because they also have other good. It's just it, it's all the trickle down, man. And then like also, by the way, Jersey City super cool, and I'm not gonna go St. Peter's right now. I'm not gonna exploit anything about where the campus is located. But the point being is that the positivity coming towards their university is gigundo. And so for anyone out there that's an administrator that has the opportunity to, and, and says, oh man, we need more enrollment at our school. Oh man, we need more students at our school. We need more money. Just go put whatever money you have into your athletics program and get them really good because those people are walking billboard for your university and when they're good good things happen to you and also you make more money especially if you're a division 1 program because now you're on the national stage and you're getting tv stuff now you're getting NCAA pays you back for every round that you go etc cetera, etc cetera. so rock i'm not going to you know beat a dead horse and you know keep my tweet is awesome so follow me i think some solid tweets get pumped out there. Some about driving too, which I think you'd appreciate. But at the end of the day, put the money into the sports because it. St. Peter's is the example, man. How important that is. No, it's good. It's good. A couple other teams to give some elite eight, sweet sixteen shout outs. Gotta love seeing the Razorbacks of Arkansas. Yeah. Uh, in the elite eight, love seeing love seeing UCLA. You know, in the elite eight. You know, that's a that's a historically basketball program. You know. Loved the, the Miami-Iowa State matchup until they started playing. Uh, but shout-out to the U. Um, shout-out to the U uh, for, for hitting it up, uh, hitting up the Elite Eight. That was impressive. And then, you know, I, I think I was impressed with Michigan's run uh, with their turmoil. And then shout-out to the Houstons. You know, oh, the, the Cougars. Houstons for being in the, yeah, the Cougs. I mean, they, they got those sweet black with red-letter uniforms. Um, I was cheering for them every time they were on TV. For sure. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you what, I if they could have hit like six more shots, they'd be in the final four. Right <laughs> That's literally all it was. Six, like, and I might be exaggerating on how many shots they needed to hit because both teams could not score in that game. And if it was like, if you just hit six shots that, and you had them, they were wide open. I thought the Cougs were going to be the non nineteen fifty two basketball team in the final four, rock. But unfortunately. It's not. No no three-point line, no shot clock. Let's see how we run it back. So we're, we're excited for the uh, for the Final Four and the National Championship next week, which will be cool because we'll, we'll get – because they'll play, they'll play the Final Four games on most – like I think they usually play Saturday, and then we'll be on the air Monday morning to preview, you know, the National Championship game. And, and here's, my, here's my thing, Rock. And I have Kansas winning this whole thing. I'm a big Bill Self guy. I don't think he gets enough credit, but at the same time, I'm always a fan of the coach that is like really good, but flies under the radar, like is in the radar, but he's not, but is consistently producing a good product. But when you look at it, it's like, well, yeah, he's at Kansas. Like, why don't we really talk about him? I always, I always float towards Kansas. So I am pumped that they are in this game. I'm just super disappointed because I really like UNC and I really like Kansas and I really like Villanova. And, 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 and 
I want Kansas ultimately to win. And now I'm conflicted about what I want with Coach K. So that's my only issue here is now that I see the four teams that are in the final four, it's like a storyline everywhere. Eight seed UNC, Coach K's last season, Jay Wright and Villanova being considered essentially a dynasty because this would be their third championship in seven years. And Bill Self winning another. It hasn't won one probably since Mario Chalmers back in the day. I, I can't decide wow. which one I like more. Yeah, there really are. I mean, for as much as you're like, ah, it's the same teams, like they're, they, have, they have four compelling stories. You know, no Roy Williams in North Carolina. Coach K, which I'm with you. Like, I, I don't care at this point now. I don't feel either way. Like, I, I see both sides of him. I'd actually probably, I'm still leaving, so it's, I'm still going to cheer for the Tar Heels. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> and, like, I don't know what makes me not want to cheer for Villanova, like, ever, but, like, I love what Jay Wright has done. Yeah. Um, and I do like this, you know, I love that he's, like, you know, it's very much, like you said, process-oriented. Like, they've got guys that come in, they stay, they go, and they're always competing uh, at the national uh, on the national stage. They're always on top of the Big East. Always in the in the elite eight, like you know, good for them. And yeah, I'm I'm all in on seeing Kansas back on top. But I'll uh, if you're gonna choose Kansas, I'm just gonna choose Villanova then. Oh wow, <laughs> wow! I see how it is. I see how it is. That's all right. No, I understand. No, I get it. No, it's cool. I get it. You know, this happened to me one time before. Uh, we were in. I was with a buddy in Atlantic City, and he'd never, never gambled before on like roulette or or blackjack or anything like that so we we put the money down on black and he's like all right well not i, I want to try this guy right, go all right, here we go well he puts the money on red and wins and i was a little disappointed because i was like hey man like i'm out here teaching you how this game operates and you put your first ever bet down against me like at least yeah, ride, yeah. At least ride with me. You know what I'm saying? So, needless to say, yeah, let me lose you one first, right? And then you can go against me, right? <laughs> yeah. Like let's lose together, or hey, maybe there was a chance we could have won together, and then we roll from there. So that that actually disappointed me a little bit, and that's what, what you just reminded me of right there. You know, but but that's all right. All my all my Jayhawks out there, we ride. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Well. Good tournament. We'll see what happens. And now, and now, if you if you would like, we got a little hockey with Rocky. I got ready for you. Now, inside the glass, hockey with Rocky. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Hockey with Rocky. My name's Ken Bernardo. Just kidding. It's Rocky Romanella. We're fired up here. The playoff races are absolutely heating up. People are jockeying for positions. I don't know if you've caught any games over the last seven days, but they've been very much playoff-oriented, very much physical, uh, very much uh, tempers are starting to heat up. People are starting to establish their both physical um, and mental dominance of the opponent opponents that they believe they will be facing in the first round. 
a lot of stuff happening. So I've got a couple of cool stories for you. Then I figured we could we could talk playoffs and and maybe a little Rangers. Got it. Go ahead. First cool story: Nick Backstrom scores his one thousandth point uh, in the NHL. And earlier in the day, uh, the Capitals gave out one thousand uh, red balls, like that are apples. Uh, technically apples, but they're balls. They're not real apples. And when Backstrom scored a goal to get a thousand points, everyone threw every single ball onto the ice. That's sick. That is awesome. What a great Amazing. idea. And yeah. speaking so of the Capitals, we, we never talked about Ovechkin either. Ovechkin, what, passing Yager? Yeah. Third all time? Yeah. I know. That's, I mean, I know the guy's on, the guy's on fire. It, it, the pace, it, if it goes according to plan, could be quicker than what we had originally thought it could be. I mean, he could, I think, the Don LaGreca I heard talking about this thinks he could score like 40 each of the next three years. And I'm like, that's 120 goals in three years. Like, do you think he can still do that? And But like, nothing tells you that he can't. No, he can't. I, I mean, he's not at, he's not at, He's at 42 right now. Right. And there's there's still like 15 games left. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, like, think, like when you say it out there's, loud, think about that. <laughs> there's 15 games left. And right now, okay, so right now the Caps' first round matchup would be against Florida right now. They could like depending on, but like they're gonna go back and, but like Carolina and Florida is like ninety four. Florida's ninety four. Carolina's ninety three points. And then you both have you have Tampa, Tampa Bay, Pittsburgh, and the Rangers all battling for both of those. So like you may that that might switch. So you know, and if they wanted, if they wanted home ice advantage, they would have to overtake the second spot, in, which means they have to climb above the Rangers and the Penguins over the last 15 games. So like, yeah. listen, they're going to need to play well. He's going to score more goals. So I think he definitely finishes over 50. Yeah. I think this year, definitely. It's just, it's crazy. It's crazy to think like I, there are some, like there are like three or four records and we might, and we've touched on this before that like, you just never really thought you would see broken. And the fact that we could live to sit, to see two of that, to the, that, that, that record broken twice is mind blowing. Yeah, I think there's going to be five fifty goal scorers in the league this year. Who are they? Austin Matthews is forty eight right now. Leon Dreisaitl is forty seven. Kreider, what up? Has forty four. Ovechkin has forty two, and Kyle Connor of the Winnipeg Jets has forty one. Okay, Kyle, go Kyle. That's exciting. I think. I think. Yeah, I think that that's that's pretty crazy. So. You got that. Then you've got Evgeny Dadanoff of the Vegas Golden Knights. So Evgeny Dadanoff, Dadanoff. the trade deadline, gets traded. Yep, gets traded to the Anaheim Ducks. Okay. However, the league puts the trade under review because over the summer, Dadanoff got traded from the Ottawa Senators to the Vegas Golden Knights. Now, he also, in his contract that was traded, has a no trade clause. Wow. And in the no trade clause, you turn in teams that like you can get traded to. If you do, in fact, like are, if you're open to a trade on your no trade clause, you get a list of a certain number of teams that you'd be okay going to. Interesting. Well, 
that list did not have the Anaheim Ducks on it. Oh. Now, what came into question was whose responsibility was it to, to have this list? Was it the Senators, who he started the contract with, or was it Vegas? And then your agent has to turn in the list at a certain time. So it was determined that the agent had turned in a list that did not have the ducks on it at the correct amount of time. And so he ends up not being traded from Vegas wow. and stays with Vegas. And now two days later, he's scoring the game winning goal in overtime, which, which got everyone excited. So that cool Vegas. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah. And also, by the way, it's only in hockey that that could happen. Cause if this was basketball, or football, that person would have sat out and not played because they would have been mad about that team for trying to trade them, right? But in hockey, because these dudes just appreciate the opportunity to be in the NHL, he doesn't get mad about that. He come, he just probably just does his job, and then he wins, gets a game-winning goal. Yeah, there you go. So that was, well, yeah, I mean, the other thing is, too, like, the, I think the players on the team usually help out there because it's like, God, oh, the business, the business, and, like, everyone's like, you know, because guys want to play. Like guys, it's different. Like guys, you can't you can't be about yourself in the NHL because you'll just never make it. So like, it doesn't matter if you took that stance. No one would want to play with you after. Right, that makes sense. So whereas, like in the NBA, guys are like, no, he's right. He should be sitting out. Yeah, Dadnoff really made out there though because the Ducks are on a nine-game losing streak, and they just sold. You know, and they were. You know, they just sold to to to, to really like enlist. The, the final pieces of their rebuild, so you know they weren't, you know they weren't going to make a run anyway. So so good for so good for them. Um, so that's cool. You've got the Premier Hockey Federation tonight, nine p.m. Isabel Cup Final, Connecticut Whale versus the Boston Pride. That is the Professional Women's Hockey League. Um, wow. If you're wondering what the Premier Hockey Federation is, they that's just awesome. they took women out of the name. So that, that game is happening tonight, which is exciting. Watched the little semifinals yesterday. Where can I watch that? pretty cool. Tonight, ESPN2. Oh, that's pretty awesome. And yeah, I was watching I was watching the Connecticut Whale uh, Minnesota Whitecaps yesterday, the semifinal game, which was on midday. Wow, that's exciting. Good. Well, that, and and I think, in my opinion, much how I feel about soccer, I think women's hockey is, is equally as entertaining to watch, especially at the professional and international level. Yeah, it's exciting. It is. It, it is it's exciting. fast. So, like, they're fast. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, it, it's just, it, it's good. So the Whitecaps, Minnesota Whitecaps, uh, in the preliminary round, beat the Metropolitan Riveters or Riveteers, I guess. Yeah, it's the, the um, I've four seen to one logo. Sick logo. Yeah. The Pride, the Boston Pride beat the Buffalo Buttes, six, six nothing. Um, and then on the semifinals yesterday, the Connecticut Whale beat the Whitecaps and the Pride beat the Toronto Six uh, to get into the final. So that is that is setting up for 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 a Premier Hockey Federation final. Um, and then I do I, I I need to talk a little bit about the Rangers because you just gotta love the way they're playing yeah, and the we, response from the Devils game the other night. I, I, I we have a rock we have a caller right now actually. Fantastic. Who is it? I don't know. It just says wireless caller from Metuchen. We're going to find out. <laughs> Hello, caller. Hello. Uh, how are you? You are on the air. Oh, who, who is? Who is this and where are you calling from? You've reached Rocky Romanello. Oh, no. We lost Rocky, though, in this process. Rocky, are you there? 
Hold on. Yeah, this is okay. This is this is okay. So we're we we Rocky, are you back? Uh, we're back. Okay. So I I was trying to merge the calls. What I got to do is I got to put you on hold. I actually have you on hold twice somehow. That's kind of crazy. Then I got to merge the calls so I can get that caller on the air. Huh. Well, well, if they call back while you're on, we'll try that. If they call back while you're not on, we'll just talk to them. Sounds good. Finish your thought, though, because I actually have something for you here on the uh, on the computer, and I want to see. Let me know if you can hear this when it starts playing. Now Thompson, right. the leading goal scorer for Buffalo. Can you hear it? Tied down yeah. with Skinner. A steal by Cop. Cop comes in. Cop to Lafreniere. Oh yeah, so good. Oh, that's good hockey. Yeah, he does. What a snipe! And if you, and if, if you were, if you were in the uh, Romanella household, uh, you heard a, a, a scream as loud as Madison Square Garden. <laughs> they have, might have the day of the greatest goal song in in all of t- better than any touchdown song, better than any like victory song, easily. Yeah, and and listen, and and I teed that up for that. you. You gotta love that it's Andrew Cop, right? Uh, uh, a trade deadline pickup. You gotta love that it's Alexi Lafreniere, your number one draft pick overall a year ago. And you gotta love that it's Keandre Miller, another uh, another pick. Actually, the Keandre Miller draft pick comes via the Rick Nash trade to Boston three four years ago. Really? So, so you look at the pieces on the ice in overtime. Uh, in a playoff push, and it's all of the guys that you selected throughout your rebuild, you know, carrying you through into the playoffs. It wasn't Zibanejad winning the game winner last night. It wasn't Kreider. It wasn't Panarin. It wasn't Fox. It was Cobb, Lafreniere, and Keontae Miller. You gotta love it. Yeah, I think it was. And I, and when he scored, I was like, wait, I thought they, I thought JT Miller wasn't a Ranger anymore. And then I realized who actually had scored, and I was like, this guy must be a young dude. And Keandre Miller has now been paired with Jacob Trubo for the last two years, and the pairing has just absolutely come together. So think about that. You put a you put a rookie last year with a veteran, and like they've stayed together for two years. And well, yeah, I was going to ask you, how many they, games they, they has he played? Fantastic. Is he the third liner? For played him? every game. He's wow. played every single game. He's, yeah. he's the fourth defenseman on the team. He's, he's the second pairing. He plays with Jacob Trubo. It's exciting stuff. I mean, he's a stud. He's, he's an incredible skater, strong on the stick. Early in the year, he was still turning the puck over a little bit, uh, like in some bad spots, but has since just really come into his own. And I want to say over the last three weeks, has scored three game-winning goals. That is awesome. Well, great. So it's a great. So you got to love, like, you know, you just have to, you got to get excited. And the Rangers get stomped by by the Devils right after the deadline. So they the did. first game after the deadline, you play the Devils and you get waxed yeah. by the Devils, like. Totally. Now, the Devils hadn't won a game versus the Rangers in eight games. And, yeah. like, the Rangers, as a young team, right, just went through and experienced a trade deadline, and then they changed the lines that they had been playing with, like, regularly now for about two weeks. See, that's the so, hockey insight you get, right? Because most, the common fan, Rock, I feel like doesn't notice those things when they're watching hockey. They're just really concerned with following the puck and seeing where the puck goes, whereas you're recognizing the fact that different lines are playing with each other, different combinations are on the ice, 
et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, all the stuff I don't see when I watch basketball. Right. Correct. <laughs> Cor- correct. That's a, that's a great point. And that's actually, I was telling this to a player yesterday. That's what made it so hard for me to color commentate basketball when I first started my career, like in the broadcasting, was because like I didn't see those things as easily as I saw the hockey game. So it's like, wow. Like, And now for me, I, I just don't watch as much hockey or like where if I'm watching a hockey game, I'm just excited to have some time to watch it. So I'm just pumped up to be watching hockey. I'm going back and forth between games. Whereas you legitimately see what is happening at all times. And you know enough players in the league that you can recognize what teams are going to do and why and how and what left winger, right winger, center. It all matters. It, it, it all matters. If you're going to watch a good game this week, watch the Rangers play the Pittsburgh Penguins on Tuesday night at 7 Spe- Speaking it, it, of the Penguins, yep. by the way, okay? Malkin. Yeah, right. Patrick yesterday. I saw that. They scored 11 goals. But, like, uh, how about the fact that Mark andre Fleury, and we said this, you heard it here first, did not actually want to get traded to the Penguins, or excuse me, the Capitals, yep. because of his time with the Penguins. He said yeah, it, and, he and said it didn't sense. feel right. I mean, he said it didn't feel it right. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel right. It, that, that, those, those rivalries run deep. So then, but I he's mean, wild. And, and think of it. So now he goes to Minnesota yeah. where he's in, he, he stays in the Pacific. He's back in the Pacific for the Western Conference where he was with the Vegas Golden Knights. And he's got a team that has a legitimate chance. And they've got a number one goaltender in Cam Talbot. So his job there wasn't to just come in and take on the load. His job was, hey, get settled. Let's get you in, and then you know we're going to ride both of you guys to, to, to the finals if we can. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Now, let me ask you this real quick. All right, I know that the Wild had have Cam Talbot, right? So, is the getting of Mark Andre Fleury essentially to have a really solidified backup goalie, or do they believe he's actually going to play important games for them? I think he's going to play important games. Really? So oh yeah. Is Cam Talbot just like? Not that good. Like Cam, what? No, Cam Talbot's good, but Cam, Cam Talbot is good. But like going into the deadline, the the, the Wild were were struggling, and they were like up and down. And like Cam Talbot, I mean, if you watch the Winter Classic, Cam Talbot did not look like a goaltender that was supposed to be starting. He, he got he got lit up that day, right? But I, then he's got games. And by the way, Cam Talbot is is a former. Cam Talbot is the today's version of Alexi uh, of. Uh, of Georgiev on the Rangers, right? Because Cal- Talbot was behind Lundqvist and couldn't get starting minutes because he's playing behind Lundqvist. So right. then he goes to Edmonton, which doesn't work out. And now right. he's in Minnesota, which he, he, I mean, I think he's having a good year. And Minnesota is, is a team worth paying attention to. They had a big win last night. Um, but like, listen, there's a reason they went and got play. Yeah, no. And that's, that. that's what I was, I was just, when I was looking at it from that standpoint, I mean, in net this year, he's 27, 12, and 1. He's got a 2.8 goals against average, and he's got a 91 save percentage. Here's what it does, though. It elevates him. So, so he's either going to be like, I don't want, like, I love that, like, I've got Flurry. I can talk to him. By the way, like, there's two things that can happen here. Cam Talbot steps his game up and then uses Flurry as as the hey, here's how you get through the playoffs as the starting goaltender. Or Cam Talbot stinks 
and you've got Flurry to step in and take on the load, and you still got a Stanley Cup goaltender in net for you. Yeah, no, you're. And that's really the play. It's one. Or, yeah, it's one or the other. Either way, they believe it benefits their team, and I would agree with them. And and Flurry's numbers are essentially the same this year with where he was prior to Minnesota. So um, yeah. I think you just essentially you just say to yourself, all right, well. Now we have moves. So if, if we come out one day in the first period, Talbot gives up two bad goals, we put Marc-Andre Fleury in and we ignite the team. Yeah. He just showed up to work one day and they're like, hey, by the way, we just got someone to replace you. We don't want him to, but yeah. we want him to help you get better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but you know what, though? Like, And Dad and I were talking about this yesterday, right? Because he spoke with Carissa's team and he told them, like, the one crazy thing about college athletics is the coach is always recruiting your replacement. And, like, that's essentially what the Minnesota Wild just did. They're like, hey, we're not saying we're done with you, but we got this guy that could be just as good as you right behind you. So if you don't play very well, that guy's probably going to play. No one's here forever, so it's yep. only a matter of time. Yeah. So he's got to be thinking about it. And I it. like Mark Andre Fleury. Yeah. Huge fan. No, he's, yeah, he's awesome. He, and he's got a lot of he's got a lot of superstitious kinks. He talks to his post. Um some great clips of him out there uh, on the Twitter sphere if you wanted to Google them. But uh, sure, but yeah. So there's hockey with Rocky. You got a uh, you got a where he played junior hockey for me. I actually I mixed it up in honor of March Madness because I actually feel, really do feel like you know this. But if you don't, then well, I really ended your streak on accident. But either way, all right. Where did? The one they call Coach K, Mike Shashevsky. Where did he play? Or it's a, I'll take either one. Play college basketball, or what school did he coach at prior to going to Duke? It's the same answer. That's uh, a small school, isn't it? Um, no, it's a big school. Yeah, I, yeah, it's definitely, and it's uh, let's go with it's a known school. It's not a known basketball school, though. No, it's not. It's known it's for a known football school. Um, no, it's really it's no. really known for not things related to sports, even though they have Division One athletics. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! So it's an Ivy League school. No. I feel like I've heard this before. You have it's not Ivy League. All right, so they're known. Have they ever made a run at the National Basketball Tournament? No. Oh, not in your lifetime. No, it's really it's All right, so, when you hear it, you're gonna be so, like, I'm so mad at myself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right, so Bob Knight coached him here. I mean, that would be well, it can't be Indiana, correct? And Bob Knight went to where did he go afterwards? Uh, Texas Tech. <sighs> so it wasn't Texas Tech. Uh, I don't know. I think he went to Middle Tennessee State. That's such a reckless guess. Uh, do you want to know, or do you want one more guess? And I'll give you one more hint. You can give me one more hint. Okay. The football team at this school plays a really big game against another football team at their school. Oh, but, oh Navy, Navy, Navy. I knew this. No, it's Army. <laughs> Army. Ah, I'm. Once you said that, then I knew it was military. And then it makes sense because I have heard that. I did know that. I know you knew it. I'm like so sad. I was like, oh, maybe we'll finally get one that isn't hockey. (laughs) Nah. (laughs) He goes, nah. Oh, man. Well, your your six game, your seven game winning streak comes to an end at eight and eight. So now you're eight and nine. All right. But you're back and closer to 500. 
that's good. And, and I almost just got smoked by a Nerf gun. That's from, actually from Rocco, so. that. That's electric. Good for him. <laughs> that is that is well, stuff. Listen, Romo Sabian, just another Monday here. I'm happy I could be a part of it. Thanks uh, for having me, Mr. Romanella. Oh, uh, thank you, Mr. Romanella. We thank you. We appreciate you. You have yourself a fantastic Monday. You, you tell the team over there at ADP, let's dominate. Yeah, and now that we're closer to April, I will get my baseball research in for, for, for the fans. I, I love it. I we, we appreciate you for that. Yeah. Throw gas, mash baseballs. Shout out for the FD New Knights, by the way. I know what's going on there. I'm not going to say it out loud, but turn, shout out. And turn left. <laughs> no doubt. That's all you got to do. That's it. <laughs> Talk to you later. All right, man. Peace. That is the one and only, not the one and only. I say this every week, but that is Rocky Romanella, the junior version. So we appreciate his insight every day here on the Rome Show. 12 Ounce Sports Radio, Zingo TV, Channel 761, Facebook YouTube and Twitter live. I put up an Instagram poll at wide world of Rome on the Instagram story. And it was a question that was posed by ESPN and Rocky and I had done this a few years ago when we were in the midst of quarantina and we did a, March Madness, greatest sports movie of all time bracket, okay? Miracle came out as the winner. Um, If I remember correctly, I think it was Miracle. Remember the Titans? Uh, There was definitely two more in the final four because that makes four. I can't remember off the top of my head. I got to look it up. Either way, okay? We had a... We had this bracket. So I see ESPN put out what's the best sports movie based on a true story. And so I wanted to dissect this real quick and I posed it to the Romo Sapiens and they have an answer as well. All right. So the movies that they put up as the 10 that I guess maybe really started the conversation were 42, A League of Their Own, The Express. Friday Night Lights, King Richard, Miracle, Moneyball, Remember the Titans, Sea Biscuit, and then they have the other column. What's the best sports movie based on a true story? Now, I would have to say this is a tough debate because... Before I get into what the Romo Sapiens said, I'll give you this thought. How deep are we going with the based on a true story, right? Because my feeling on how good a movie is, specifically a movie based on a true story, is going to be how close to the factual story are we getting here? I got the chance to listen to Mike Ruzioni speak when I was like 12 or 13 years old at our hockey banquet, and he was adamant about the ability for Disney and the team producing the movie Miracle to be as close to factual as possible, minus a few aspects of that movie, aspects that he didn't believe would hinder the telling of the story. So how, based on a true story, 
are we talking about here? So that's the first thing that like that makes this an easy and interesting discussion. Because you don't you don't really know, but you know because you do have some information, especially on some of these stories, because it's not like it was a crazy long amount of time ago and plenty of people live to see it, et cetera, et cetera. But also half of it is it's not like today's day and age where there's like social media and I can go back on the video and all of this other stuff and fact check, right? So for me, there's also a how realistic is this? So that's the first thing. The second thing is, right, how, how good was the movie produced, right? So like, for example, one thing that I know, remember the Titans did a pretty good job of, I think Miracle did a pretty good job of, I would say even a league of their own, I think did a really good job of is like the sports look like sport, right? It didn't look like it was actors trying to play a sport. And we have all witnessed those sports movies before, right? Where it's like, man, how realistic is this? And I almost, I'm not taking Moneyball off the list because of that. But, you know, for some reason to me, the Moneyball one just, I don't know. And that ultimately hinders my feeling on that movie. Okay, so those two factors came in when I was thinking about this. So ultimately, I will take Miracle and 42 as the best two, in my opinion. And even some of the stuff in 42 seems, but either way, we we, we could dissect that all day. I'm not going to do that. We're up against a break. Okay, so what's the best sports movie based on a true story? If you're listening live now and you want to chime in at wide world of Rome on Instagram, hit the story and you can get in on the action. We're going to read them all out from the Romo sapiens after this commercial break. Plus we'll dive into Tyreek Hill to the Miami dolphins. Why I got my dolphin shirt on today. Do I think that'll still make the dolphins a playoff contender? Maybe not actually. And we mentioned Jacob deGrom and Max Scherzer on the intro. Super excited about baseball season. We'll get into that as well. Be back here on the Rome Show, 12 Ounce Sports Radio and Zingo TV, channel 761. What's going on, everybody? It's the Rome Show here on 12 Ounce Sports Radio, Zingo TV, channel 761, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter Live. I am Andrew Romanello. They call me Coach Romo in the regular world. I was joined by Rocky Romanello for the last hour. If you missed any of it, I'm sorry because it was great. Um, But you can go back on it. Just check out the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Just search Wide World of Rome or the Rome Show podcast. You can get any of it. I actually just got a text message from a guy that I just, I love. Great human being, Mr. Anthony Rinaldi. He was a co-host with me on the Dab podcast. We were crushing it. That's what got this all started, according to this. This picture was today, exactly four years ago, in Peacock Nation, Jersey City, New Jersey. And we were podcasting away, trying to figure out what the heck we were doing. And now I'm here. And uh, 
I know Anthony's out there listening, whether it's today live or at some point on the podcast. He's a he's a great Romo sapien, but Anthony is the reason we are here. There's a that's a fact. Without Ant, we get nowhere. So, and those dad podcasts, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, still exist. And boy, were those really enjoyable. So, uh, wherever you get your podcasts, you can check those out too. That's D A A B podcast. So, he, he just so much content. Have some fun with it. All right, I told you before the break, we'd get into what the the humans said about their favorite sports uh, uh, movie based on a true story of all time. So a guy that, that we have, you know, on a great human being, Malizi, uh, been a, a loyal Romo sapien for a long time. He had tuned in last week and made the comment that March Madness is the greatest tournament of all time. Bold statement. I like it. We'll talk about it a little bit towards the end. That'll be my final thought. But Malizi wrote in on this. He said, remember the Titans by a mile. And Will Smith last night needs to be discussed. Incredible husband energy. So, yeah, I don't know if you saw that. I actually have the takes on it here. I can play for the people. If I did it right, I have the visual for people watching on Facebook or Twitter. um, Or even 12OunceSportsRadio.com. Whatever. But, uh, yeah, Will Smith smacked Chris Rock yesterday. Um, because of a joke Chris Rock made. There's a lot of debate on whether or not it was uh, it was staged or not, but then the I think it's the Japanese television crew didn't turn off the hot mic, even though the I think the the national the US television went to commercial. And then I have audio of Will Smith telling Chris Rock to get his wife's name out of his bleeping mouth. Twice. So I don't know, man. I mean, the joke was made. Jada Pinkett didn't have a funny face, but Will Smith was laughing kind of. So I don't know. Um, But yeah, Will Smith uh, walked on stage at the Oscars and open palm handed smacked Chris Rock directly in the face. Um, And let me see. Hold on. Let me see if I can play it for you here. Um, And you can take a look at it. But you can at least listen to it at home. I'll tell you that for a fact. Um, Let's see right here. Nah, you you could see it, but unfortunately... Oh, wait, you can hear it. Can't wait to see it. All right? (laughs) (laughs) That was a a nice one. Okay. I'm out here. Uh oh, Richard. <laughs> and here comes Will Smith. Smack across the face. Oh. That was it right there. I don't know if you, if you were watching it, you saw it right there. Um, and I, and I, you know what? I've decided against playing the next clip with audio. I will play it without audio so you could see it. And I will talk over it. So that's the smack right there from Will Smith. Okay. Then he walks back to his seat. I don't have this as the edited version, so I'm not trying to get kicked off at 12OunceSportsRadio.com. But now Chris Rock kind of just goes, whoa. And then Will Smith, as you can see on the screen, if you're watching, real pissed, says, get my wife's name out your bleeping mouth. Yep, there you go, right there. And he looks pissed. Like, it's real. And now Chris Rock is so funny in this scenario. And he's kind of just like, wow. So go check it out on Twitter, wherever you find it on Twitter. I mean, everything's on Twitter. It's everywhere. 
Um, pretty crazy. So yeah, Malizi, uh, dynamite right in on you. I had that teed up. Didn't even know he wrote that in. That's the love. The Romo sapiens have that telepathy thing that Rocky and I showed on the show earlier. So that's pretty cool. Our guy, uh, Titan, the lug nuts writes in a league of their own, a league of their own, um, is the best sports movie based on a true story. I got to say Tom Hanks in that movie is electric. Um, that movie is a fantastic depiction of what went on. Um, for those of you that haven't seen a league of their own, there was a female baseball league, um, that started up during the world war. I believe it was father text me or write in if I'm wrong about that. Um, either way, uh, a lot, a lot of the men made baseball had stopped, um, because the men were at war. And so the women started the baseball league and it was awesome. <laughs> and it's actually recognized in the national baseball hall of fame in Cooperstown, New York, which is really cool. Um, and it was a great, actually, in my opinion, it's a great moment in baseball history. I mean, like baseball history, flat out, straight up. That's a phenomenal moment because if you think about it, and I think we're learning this now and people didn't want, might not want to believe this, but it's true. Sports can die. I've said this on the show before. Ask boxing. Because now mixed martial arts exists, right? Sports can die. Like, it, sports don't last forever. And, and, and it's in, in a time when, right, the, the most important thing going on was fighting the war, right? But, well, the people that were at home almost needing a distraction is the best way I'm sure you could describe it. Because it's, it's not like you're, you're watching television in this time period and, and you're able to see what's going on, you know? You're, you're waiting for the newspaper to come out the next day. You're hearing word of mouth. Like you're receiving mail via the snail. If you were wanting to know if one of your loved ones that's fighting in this war is going to come home or not. And it's, and, and things way beyond what we even know or understand. Right. And so they, this women's baseball league, you know, kept baseball alive and, and gave though the people at home just praying that the war would end, praying their loved ones would come home. Just, fixated on something different for two three hours um at a clip and it was a very good brand of baseball um and it's almost kind of sad that women's baseball didn't exist from there um because i do know to this day i believe in the atlantic league of professional baseball there was just a women's basketball uh excuse me baseball player drafted for the first time in professional baseball history in a professional baseball league um i know that um, Carissa at St. Elizabeth University is fortunate enough to work with a, a, an awesome young female who's a, a catcher at the Division three college level. And I know that just, that just scratches the surface um, of the amount of women that I believe are playing baseball that no one knows about. So um, if you have never seen a league of their own, um, Titan the Lug Nuts is probably correct and they can make a real argument for that being a great depiction um, of, a, of a true story and understanding what, what the struggles were um, because you really believe that it was that well received at the same time. You know what I'm saying? Um, so you got to understand that, uh, you have to understand the historical context of that as well. Um, so I, I could definitely see that tight in the lug and Joey P seven writes in, uh, 42, which I mentioned earlier. Um, and for me, it's more or less because of the, the impact that Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier was in Major League Baseball, sports in general, the culture, the time period, our world. Um, they did a phenomenal job in that movie 
of getting you to understand. And it was probably only scratching the surface if you really think about it, right? Um, Because I believe, and I'm sure a lot of people believe and understand, that it was 39,000 times worse than what they're able to show on that movie. Because to a certain degree, you still have to make the movie entertaining for people to want to watch and sit through and say was a good movie. But what Jackie Robinson probably endured, not just that year, ladies and gentlemen, but his entire career. Now, yeah, does it get easier as you have guys like Pee Wee Reese in the movie openly showing people that you're on his side? Yeah, it does. But I'm, I'm a firm believer that that minute depiction, the, probably the best depiction is what happens with the, the Philadelphia Phillies manager in that movie, is, a, is as close of a day-to-day, not month-to-month, not day-to-day of what he probably got from thousands of people on a game-by-game basis because you got to remember the people that were in the stands. And they depicted a little bit, but come on. So... I think the way that they produced that movie to to give you the vibes of Branch Rickey and who he was as the owner of the Los An- or the the Brooklyn Dodgers and and what he wanted out of this. Yes, it was to make a statement. It was to let everyone understand that black, white, Spanish, no matter where you came from, you deserved an opportunity to play professional baseball. It wasn't just a game for the white man. And Branch Rickey did a, and they did a great job of describing and and showing who the character and what Branch Rickey stood for. The real Branch Rickey, the man that actually made this happen and why he made it happen. So if you haven't seen 42, um, man, that's two great baseball movies that really just give you the, the rich history of baseball and how... And, and two important, I mean, gigantic aspects um, in the history of the game of baseball. Number one, all time. That's why Jackie Robinson Day is a thing. Um, it is truly unbelievable what that man did. And to, to be as good as he was, man, I would argue Jackie Robinson is the greatest baseball player of all time. Because no one had to play in the conditions he had to play in. And the fact that he was as successful as he was is pretty freaking impressive i appreciate the fan write-ins at always reach into the show at wide world of rome whether that's twitter or that's instagram and if you want to i mean you're more than welcome to reach out to me um on my own personal twitter instagram uh, at coach romo 24 I, I read my tweet before electric tweets out of me so you might as well uh, give it a follow all right so tyree kill gets traded to the miami dolphins all right And that's awesome. Cool. I don't even need to go through Tyreek Hill's career. I don't need to go through his statistics. I don't need to tell anyone that's listening to this show anything about what Tyreek Hill can bring to the Miami Dolphins. Okay? Tyreek Hill and Jalen Wall are now one of, if not the fastest duo in National Football League history at the wide receiver position. Okay? That's a fact. That's a fact. All right? Based on 40 times. Cool. All right, that doesn't make a good wide receiver, but either way, I think what you saw from Jalen Waddle in his rookie year and what you know of Tyree Kill from his entire career, you know these two dudes are going to be legit together, okay? But you will now learn very quickly. It will not take you long 
to figure out what Tua Tagovailoa is. That's what we're going to learn this year. Tua, are you the guy that can take the Dolphins to the next level? Are you the guy that, with the pieces you now have around you, okay? Because I think what the Dolphins proved last year, now new head coach, new head coach that says he's going to tailor the offensive system to make Tua Tagovailoa the most successful quarterback he can be for his skill set, which is great. That's everything you want to hear in your head coach. I'm going to tailor the program to the players so that I can maximize the talent of the players in the program and I can get the most out of it that I need to get out of them, I should say. And so then we could be the best team ultimately that we believe we can be, okay? Got to get the most out of your players' talents. And so that is what's been said. And now you add Tyreek Hill to the mix. You add Raheem Mostert to the mix. You have Jalen Waddle. okay? These things are in place. A solid offensive line that's only going to continue to get better because they're young. A really good defense with veteran talent returning. And a young head coach that people are really excited about. The Dolphins are ready to win now. I thought they could have won now last year. But it was a bad start. It was a bad start. One and seven, one and eight, whatever it was. And even though you climb out of that with the win streak that you have, it's too deep. It's too, you've gone too far in the losing to ultimately bring it all the way back and still be able, and football's hard, man, to continue to win to get into the postseason. Then from there, you'd be a wild card, and then you would have, it just, it wasn't, it wasn't possible. It was valiant. It was a great effort, but it wasn't possible. So now you go into this year with arguably the best wide receiver combo in the National Football League, and your quarterback in his third year started over 20 games now, maybe over 20, maybe 20, been in 20, whatever, around that number, it's time to prove what you are. Because if you don't, and I, and, there, and and the AFC is now a quarterback-ridden side of the National Football League. That's cool. It's a quarterback conference. The Josh Allens, man, in your own division, you have Josh Allen, you have Mac Jones, and you have Zach Wilson. Still question marks out on Zach Wilson. We think Mac Jones is going to be a really good quarterback over the course of his career. Joe Flacco on steroids is what I'm calling him. And you have Josh Allen, who's arguably a National Football League MVP. You've now added Russell Wilson to that mix. Plus, you have Justin Herbert. And you have Patrick Mahomes. I could continue on. But I don't need to. Because that fivesome right there is electric. Man, maybe Derek Carr can be thrown into the mix. Sure, whatever. Either way, teams have quarterbacks that are established, that are good, that could right now be ranked higher than what Tua Tugavailoa would be. And secretly, I'm not going to lie to anyone here, 
I was really hoping the move that was made this offseason, because the head coach of the Miami Dolphins was the offensive coordinator from the San Francisco 49ers last year, I was hoping that Jimmy Garoppolo would be traded to the Miami Dolphins. Because I believe this team with Jimmy Garoppolo on it really has a chance. Jimmy Garoppolo is a proven winner as a starting quarterback. It's just a fact. It is just a fact. He's won over the course of his career. He's competed, been to NFC Championship games, been to the Super Bowl. No matter what you say about him, how you rank him as a talent quarterback, I, in my opinion, right, believe and trust more in, right now, in this current state, Jimmy Garoppolo getting to a Super Bowl than Aaron Rodgers. Like, it's about time we start talking about the playoff wins that Aaron Rodgers hasn't had. But I digress. Tua Tugavailoa in the 2022 season has to prove who he is because the Miami Dolphins have surrounded him with everything he needs to be a great quarterback, including arguably the best wide receiver. You've all seen the memes. Patrick Mahomes, F it. Tyreek's down there somewhere. You don't even have to be the most accurate downfield passer, Tua. You just need to be able to get the ball downfield so that Tyreek can run underneath it, run to it, find it, complete some of these passes. Because one thing that's a fact, if you're playing the Miami Dolphins prior to the Tyreek Hill trade, even with Jalen Waddell, you really are guarding 20 yards into the line of scrimmage. Because you don't really believe Tua can throw the football downfield. So you're essentially going to say, I'll definitely stop the running game. And I'll definitely try and make the intermediate passing game, short passing game, really difficult. If they complete them, they complete them for two or three yards. They get hit hard every single time. Maybe we cut in on a slant route on third and two and force a fourth down, quick three and out, even though they felt like they were moving the ball because they got two completions of four yards each. You know what I'm saying? Play that type of defense. Oh, he throws the football down the field. Cool. He missed his receiver by seven yards. He's out of bounds. He's not that accurate. It doesn't happen that often. Well, now you have two guys that you could do it with, right? Two guys we could do it with. That's what we have. And so now you got to prove yourself to him. And that's what time it is. I hope he does. I want the Dolphins to be good. I'm excited for the season. But it all rides on that. It all rides on the left arm of Tua Tugavailoa. That's just a fact. Rome Show here on 12 on Sports Radio, Zingo TV Channel 761, Facebook YouTube and Twitter live. I have two final thoughts today before the show ends. First one is out of Major League Baseball. Rocky and I referenced it at the beginning of the show. If you missed any of that, at Wide World of Rome, wherever you get your podcast, the Rome Show podcast, wherever you get your podcast. I am super excited about the Metropolitans this year. The New York Mets. And you know what? Scratch that. New York baseball in general. The Yankees and the Mets. I mean, think about it. In the city of New York this year, you'll have Garrett Cole, Jacob deGrom, and Max Scherzer starting. I actually hope really badly that the way it ends up working 
is that they never actually pitch on the same day. And obviously Scherzer and DeGrom, unlike spring training, won't ever pitch on the same day until we get to the postseason and we need those victories. But I hope that it the way it lines up, and it, it probably won't because obviously Cole and DeGrom are going to be the number ones for their respective teams. They'll start opening day. They'll be lined up that way. But if either team tries to get analytically creative like Rocky was talking about, and start changing up the the rest periods or making sure DeGrom stays healthy or Cole stays healthy for your run or whatever the case is, well then, yeah, maybe some things could change. Because that's what I would really love, to be able one night turn on the TV and lock in on Garrett Cole in New York, and then the next night lock in on Jacob DeGrom, and the next night lock in on Max Scherzer. We are very spoiled as New York sports fans in the baseball variety this season with the guys that we have on the hill. And... The Mets, I think, I'm a firm believer, and this is me as a baseball coach, and this is me as a baseball fan. Pitching will take you the farthest. You can have a great offense. You could score a lot of runs, but you need a great pitching staff. That's just a fact. That's just a fact. And for the Mets, they have a pitching staff that I think has some really good experience. Scherzer and DeGrom are at the top of that list. But then you add Taiwan Walker and Carlos Carrasco. Now listen, Taiwan Walker was an all-star last year. Okay, great. But he died in the second half of the year. It wasn't as good. He wasn't as good as ERA bloomed, and it was not the same guy in the first half. So you need him to be able to sustain an entire season. But last year, you were asking for Taiwan Walker to be more of a second starter type, and that's not what he is at this point in his career. So you take what he did last year as a full body of work and put that in the fourth starter role, And now you're cooking with gas because you have DeGrom, Scherzer. They made the trade for Chris Bassett from the A's, probably your three-starter. And then you have Taiwan Walker and Carrasco or Carrasco and Walker. Doesn't matter which one. That's your one through five. That's your starting rotation. I don't care how many homers Pete Alonso hits. I hope that it's a lot. I hope he has a great year. I hope Lindor is a 275 hitter, an electric shortstop. Maybe Robinson Cano actually pops some balls over the fence coming out of the PED suspension. Brandon, Brandon Nimmo swiping bags. Okay, Brian McCann going back there and actually being what we thought he was going to be when we signed him two years ago. All of those things, I hope, happen offensively. But at the end of the day, that pitching staff and then what the relievers can do in the back end is all going to be what leads the Mets to success and if you're a Mets fan and to quote the Rocky Romanella that was on the show before if you're a Mets fan you're not excited you're crazy you're crazy just because of what I just mentioned alone right there that starting staff right there should have you super excited and in general as a New York sports fan It is going to be fun to watch baseball 
in this city. Anthony Rizzo, Aaron Judge. That's exciting. Garrett Cole. We'll see if Feraldis Chapman comes back to form. Is Luis Severino the guy that they thought they signed? Will Aaron Hicks stay healthy? We'll find out. But it's going to be an exciting time for New York sports, uh, specifically New York baseball. And let's finish this off with something that Malizzi had said. Last week, we didn't get to it. I wanted to finish it as my second final thought today. Is that March, Ma- March Madness is the greatest tournament of all time. I'd probably have to agree with him. Unless we're counting the National Hockey League playoffs as a tournament. Right? Okay, is that it is in theory a tournament? But it's not. So since I'm going to say, as I talk out loud here, that it's not a tournament, I would say the March Madness is 1A, and because of my love for the game of baseball, the college baseball tournament, Road to the College World Series, is 1B. March Madness is electric. Have you ever watched college baseball? Have you ever watched some of the atmospheres in a regional, super regional in Omaha. And if you haven't, do yourself a favor. Go check it out. ESPN plus ESPN three, probably five nights out of the week. No matter what, you'll see it Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Check it out. 2,200 college baseball games being broadcasted over the ESPN networks this year. Check it out. You will find it is awesome. So, yeah, I'm sure March Madness is number one. But, boy, is the College World Series road to it at least 1B. That is the Rome Show today on 12-Ounce Sports Radio, Zingo TV Channel 761, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter Live. Thank you, Rocky, for the call-in. Thank you, everybody that chimed in at Wide World of Rome on Twitter. And the Gram will be back next Monday. Peace. Um, thank you for listening. <laughs>